Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. Uh, my name is Lydia Kincaid, and I'm Managing Director of CEAI Fund 23, Fund 24. I have with us today Ryan Huffman, who's our COO of Cohenesri and heads up Cohenesri Apartment Investors, as well as our company CEO and President Lee Harris. Thank you both for being here today. Today, we're going to talk about a pretty, pretty interesting topic, um, just overall trends in the market that we've been seeing um, when it comes to buying, selling apartment communities, um, what have we seen in the last year, and then also looking forward to 2022, what our expectations are going into the new year and, and what we think we might see. So maybe, Ryan, could you give us an initial lay of the land, so to speak, about what the last 12 months or so has been like? I mean, lay of the land is heavy, heavy, heavy activity. Um, there's a lot of capital that's out there chasing deals. And, and a lot of that comes from one pinup demand from 20, where we really didn't see, saw a gigantic plunge of activity. But two, there's certain real estate sectors that have, I always say they became radioactive. Um, what are those sectors? Hospitality is a bit radioactive. Retail is radioactive. Office is hovering in that might be radioactive depending on where it's at. And so what's happening is capital is flooding over into industrial and multifamily as a way to potentially just park capital for a period of time. So they're willing to accept lower yields. Um, and that's just pushing pricing up um, across the board. You're seeing cap rates not moving up. They're really compressed. Um, not a lot of arbitrage between interest rates. So it's really been a pretty heavy year for transaction activity um, in a good way, particularly if you're a seller, but it can be a bit challenging if you're a buyer. What's your perspective, Lee? Having been through a couple of these cycles, how does this compare to what you've seen in the past? Well, in the past, we've seen booms and we've seen busts, uh, you know, everything cycles. I think this is an elongated cycle because of the demographics. Uh, we, we've explained this before on this podcast, but there are really three generational cohorts that are driving this. You have the baby boomers, my generation. Many of us, as, as we retire, are saying we no longer want to live in a house. Uh, we want to be footloose and fancy free, so we move into apartments. We have the millennial generation, which has a number of structural uh, challenges, uh, student debt, uh, not enough savings for down payments, uh, and also uh, a de general desire in the part of many millennials not to own a home. They're getting married later, having kids later. Eventually, they will uh, get married and have kids and, and probably buy a house. But uh, that time frame has, has extended greatly, and that's putting pressure on uh, the apartment market. And then Zoomers, which is the typical generation of 18 to 24, 25-year-olds, Generation Z, uh, and that's, as I said, the typical apartment renter uh, cohort. So now we have three major generational cohorts, tens of millions of people strong, and we're cr creating 275 to 375,000 units a year, tops. 375. And we need 450,000 units a year just to try to keep pace with household formations. So uh, I, I don't see overbuilding in any market. Uh, there may be uh, a little bit in some pockets here and there, but generally not. 
Uh, and I, in the 46 years I've done this, we've never seen this kind of phenomenon where uh, there doesn't appear to be an end in sight. There is an end in sight. We just don't know when it is because uh, this is not a typical cycle. And I, I would piggyback on that because there's there's one unique thing about those cohorts that's different today than maybe it has been for the last 30 years. And that is those cohorts are renters by choice. They're not renters by circumstance, which has been the case for the last 30 years. You would have you know, folks going through divorce or folks just coming out of college that were saving for a down payment on a house. And there were circumstances that led them to rent. Now you have people choosing to rent to be footloose and fancy free, Lee, as you like to put it a lot. And that that's saying something because they will pay for the living environment that they want to be in. And that's yeah. creating additional pressure um, on the rent levels and the occupancy. Well, and the other thing uh, we used to, to see our strongest competition as single family homes and home ownership. Uh, since the financial meltdown in 2008, 2009, we have yet to see uh, single family production at levels that preceded that meltdown. As a result, we have a shortage in many markets. There's a shortage of single family residences and, uh, and the pricing is just off the charts uh, in so many different markets, especially the Sunbelt markets, the number of Midwest markets where trying to find a house. I know Lydia, you, you looked to this past year to buy a, a house uh, and you saw the, the values just skyrocketing. And fortunately, you were able to succeed with the transaction, but not after several fits and starts. That is going on all over the country. And as a result, we do not feel the competitive nature of single family like we have in previous, uh, previous markets. So, so Ryan, especially with this renters by choice mentality, um, I've, I've seen our renovation process change a little bit over time to really accommodate for what people are wanting and like what they are looking for in an apartment community to stay there. Maybe you can speak to some of those um, dog parks, dog washing stations, some of those like special amenities that we've been including in more of our properties recently. Yeah. And this will be, Lee is going to chuckle at this a little bit, but the, the old way of looking at amenities has totally changed. You know, before you could list things like a garbage disposal as an amenity, and now that is a requirement. Right. Um, also, interestingly, so is generally in-unit washer-dryer capability. Um, the old days of having those central laundry rooms where, I mean, I lived in an apartment for six years that had a central laundry thought nothing of it. Now, because of the housing that's being built on college campuses and what the renter coming into the market is used to, and as Lee said, the boomers coming from a house to an apartment, they want and expect those luxuries to be there. That's, that's no longer an amenity. So now you're looking at how do you jazz up the amenity set to really capitalize on the living environment somebody wants to be in? Um, those are going to be things, as you mentioned, you've got dog parks. We have pet yards. This is a, a new concept that we've experimented with on properties where we take our lower level units and we extend um, a fence about six to eight feet out from the main patio, put in a nice fence, put in big doors so our mowers can get in, but it's an effective pet yard. And, and people will pay 75 to $125 a month just for that 
luxury, particularly in markets where the weather can get bad. Because think about it, you can now just let your dog out the patio door, let them do their thing, and they come right back in versus having to go walk. Um, our newest endeavor is heavy into the smart home technology. So our first property we're doing this with is our newest acquisition in San Antonio. It's going to be everything from smart thermostats, smart locks that open, tied to your phone, um, that open as you walk up. Um, we're experimenting with the HVAC pad situation so that you can program it to start and stop. And as you go in, it lights come on. Um, but those are the kind of features that what I now call is a quote amenity. Th those are things that maybe you didn't have in your home, you didn't have on the college campus that you're going to get that's a plus plus as you come out. Um, the other big one is car washing stations. And Lee, you're, you're big on the, the on-site car washing stations, which we never used to have. But what you're trying to do is create this living environment where before you maybe had an apartment, you went and paid a gym membership, you went and paid for tanning, you went and got your car washed at the, at the corner got, uh, car wash. Now you can do it all on the property and never really leave the community that you're in. Hey, how does that compare to the properties that you managed early in your career? Well, so the very first prop, very first property I managed to personally as an on-site manager was a 234-unit apartment complex in Topeka, Kansas. We had an outdoor swimming pool and we had an indoor swimming pool, and that was a big deal. Now these were rectangular-shaped pools, not a lot of uh, deck area, uh, and we had no tennis courts. We had a little lake. Uh, we had central laundry facilities. Um, I mean, no fitness center. It was really Spartan by today's standards. But back then in 1975, it was uh, kind of state of the art, especially having that indoor pool. And we've seen amenities uh, gradually evolve over the years. Uh, it, it always used to be that a small percentage of the residents used the, the amenities they like to have them there for bragging rights, but it wasn't that big a deal. Now we're trying to create an experience uh, for the resident and having an amenities package that does get utilized. Uh, it, it's not just for, for uh, uh, bragging rights. Uh, it's, it's really part of the experience that people are uh, they're, they're seeking. And I think a big one we didn't talk about is, and this is a trend you're seeing with now the online purchasing is the par parcel locker systems. Right. Um, you know, people have odd hours. The, these parcel locker systems are awesome. I mean, anybody, Amazon, FedEx can deliver. You sign up for it. They put it in a locker. You get a text that says you have a package. You can come in anytime, day or night scan your code, it pops the locker open. The best part about those systems is they're getting smarter where you have cooled and refrigerated lockers. So folks that order food online and have it delivered, there's a lot of, of people I know that are ordering the, the pre-boxed meals now, pre-boxed kits. Um, those can be delivered and put in the, cooler, the cooling locker system. So that is one trend that if you aren't paying attention to it, you absolutely should because it ain't going away and it's going to get a lot bigger. Well, I think the, the parcel uh, situation, because everybody's ordering so much online now, it's it's elevated to a top priority when somebody's looking for an apartment. Yep. And the other thing are pets. Back in the old days, when I first started, it was a no pets policy. I mean, it was just too bad. And we had people sneaking pets in and, uh, you know, we 
get angry with them and, and have to deal with it. Uh, but uh, going forward, uh, today we embrace pets. I mean, pets are a, uh, a major factor and it's, and, and the thing that's different about pets today is for the most part, when we're doing an interior renovation, we're installing the plank style flooring mm -hmm. instead of carpet. Uh, there may be carpet in a bedroom on a, an upper level unit, but for the most part, uh, you don't have dogs in particular or cats ruining the flooring uh, because you now have this hard surface. Uh, and as a result, we get more rent for pets. We get pet deposits. Uh, and if you prohibit pets, you're going to suffer in the marketplace. Right. Well, and Ryan, just speaking bigger picture too, I know in your due diligence process with your team, you guys shop around with the comps as well. And so I'm sure your checklist, you go through all these amenities that we've been discussing and we want to be the best B in that category. So looking at class B apartments, we want to provide the best of the best really. And I, I think that's what we're able to do in the different markets that we're in. Um, so shifting gears, looking forward to 2022, um, what, what's on your mind, Ryan, as like, trends to look out for, what your expectations are on the buy side and the sell side? Um, what do you think is going to happen? Everyone has an opinion. We'd like to hear yours. Well, I, I actually want to start this part of the discussion. I'm going to kick a question to Lee because I always like his perspective on this. So the, the Fed December policy meeting just ended and they have signaled to control the inflation between one and three interest rate hikes in 2022. So Lee, why don't you kind of converse a little bit about your thoughts on interest rates and because it's always a you have a fascinating take on that just from your point of view. Well, sure. So the, the thing that's different today than in the past is the level of, of federal debt, the national debt that we have. And you probably heard this before, but uh, if, if interest rates go up, uh, you know, when the Fed raises those rates, they're going to have to be very, very careful because we cannot, as a country, service debt at a much higher uh, level of interest rate. So they're talking about maybe as many as three rate hikes, but I'll bet they aren't much more than 25 basis points each. Uh, and that pushes the, the rates up maybe 75 basis points, maybe only 50 basis points. That's not going to have a chilling effect, I don't believe, on the, the uh, apartment market. Uh, obviously, we have some uh, lenders that benchmark against the treasury. Uh, and that's all fine and good. We may, maybe we see a, uh, a little bit of a, of a bump, but there may be some adjustment in spreads too from, from the lender's standpoint. So I don't think it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, frankly, though, inflation is very helpful to, to our industry. Uh, rents go up uh, faster and they, they have, rents have actually been outpacing uh, inflation in many of our markets. Uh, we're seeing 7%, 10%, 12% rent increases far above the, the, the actual rate of inflation. Uh, and again, with su the supply issues, with construction costs skyrocketing, I don't see that there's going to be any way we can increase the supply of, of apartments, much less single family, as the rates increase which may cause uh, cap rates to compress even more. So I know I'm talking all over the place here, but Ryan, uh, in answer to your question, 
I just don't think that we can see any substantial increase in rates. I think a lot of this is window dressing on the part of the Fed to try to tamp down inflation. But if we push 150 basis points or 200 basis points at the Fed, uh, this country can't sustain that in terms of servicing the debt. Yeah. And and real important, Lydia, to this, that's why I wanted to start with that discussion is because rates will, you know, in certain ways dictate what happens in 22 and beyond with the industry. Lee's absolutely correct. The, the one variable here that we haven't seen before is the sheer amount of capital that is after deals. So I agree with Lee. I think in 22, you're going to see a lot of repeat of 21. I don't think you're going to see a any type of slowdown in transaction activity. I don't think you're going to see any type of, of cap rate expansion. If anything, you're going to see compression. Um, to those cap rates because there's just the sheer amount of capital chasing deals for that level of return is just going to continue to push that way. So I think my view of 22 is still pretty robust. Um, I think transaction activity on the buy side, while it will be a challenge, will still be healthy. I think it's still going to be a great time to be a seller. Um, If you're at a point where you cash out and want to flip into something else, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see even with fed policy that slowing down just because of the sheer amount of capital coming in and the other industries, real estate sectors that haven't really solved their radioactivity problem. And you don't really see any changes there either. There's not, not enough. I yeah. think that, I think you'll see a little bit of less radioactivity potentially in hospitality, um, depending on how COVID continues to move and shake out. People are traveling. They they're traveling at a pretty healthy clip. Um, so the hospitality industry, I think, will do okay. Business travel is a, a question. I think a lot of businesses have figured out you don't have to travel that heavily. Now that being said, I think the pendulum swung too far this way and is going to start to swing back because relationships are still all about face to face conversations. And so you're going to see some business travel restore, but Lee may have a different take on this, but I don't see it restoring to pre-pandemic levels for a while. And that generates a lot in the hospitality world. Um, And I think it depends on how, where, where you see restrictions happening. Um, You know, you've got New York, you got Philadelphia, you got Seattle, New Orleans right now that to go even into a restaurant, you have to show vaccination status. And so I think that's going to play into the factor retail, Lee, I don't know. I don't see anything coming up there that fixes that problem permanently. Do you? No, and I, I think don't. that yeah, I think that uh, we've we've had a trend before COVID of, of store closures. Yeah, uh, and I think that trend is accelerating now with COVID, uh, and certainly e-commerce. Now, e-commerce is still not even a majority. It's not even twenty-five or thirty percent of all retail sales, but it is climbing quickly. And people are realizing, I don't need to go to the mall, which nobody likes the malls anymore anyway, it doesn't seem. <laughs> and uh, uh, some of the big box stores, uh, I, I, if I were a retail investor, I'd be very nervous uh, because the trend is in the wrong direction, I believe, for, for retail. And I, also, I would tell you, office, uh, we've always struggled as a company to figure out how to make office buildings work, multi-tenant office buildings, where... Uh, you've got the, the turnover uh, cost of building out new space for a new tenant. And uh, now we have this 
phenomena of remote work, which who knows how that's going, going to end up. There's so many large companies that have effectively abandoned their space for a period of time. And will they come back or will they have some hybrid model? Uh, but because it's always difficult anyway to make a, a, an office investment work, uh, is it is it going to be even more difficult? And I believe I'm in the camp that believes that it will be a difficult kind of investment. Industrial, I think, is a strong investment, yeah. uh, especially with uh, e-commerce, uh, all that's going on there that just continues to to expand. So uh, my 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 money's on apartments and industrial, probably in that order, and then. You know, I'd maybe dip my toe in the water a little bit on hospitality on a selective basis, but I'd avoid retail and definitely office. Right. Well, you know what? We're at about time. Is there is there any other parting words, Lee, from you and then from Ryan, just thinking about next year that you might want to impart on our audience? Well, I think uh, we're, we're attempting to acquire six to eight uh, new market rate investments in the 350 unit space uh, uh, in Sunbelt and Midwest markets. And uh, Ryan and his team are having to look at lots uh, of deals, more deals than ever before to find those uh, diamonds in the rough, but they're out there and we'll continue to find them. And I would say just have fun and hang on for the ride. That's right. It's, still, it is it's fun. still gonna be a good one. We're it still is, on the way. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Lee. And thanks, everybody, for listening.